right, now joining me and making his seventh appearance here on Next on the T is former tour caddy Russ Holden. You've heard me talking for years about the wonderful work that Russ does with his organization, Caddy for a Cure, which helps provide not only opportunities for our wounded veterans to be caddies for a day for some of the greatest players, you know, currently now on the PGA Tour, plus some of the great legends as well, but they also do a great job gifting and changing the lives of our uh, military veterans. Russ is also a Class A PGA professional. He was the head golf professional at Wood, uh, Woodfield Country Club in Boca Raton, Florida. It was there that he met Bernard Longer and became his caddy from 1991 to 2006. Russ also served as the captain caddy for the 2004 European Ryder Cup team. Going back to his college days, he played at Malone University, where he was an NAIA All-American in 1980. He was named All-Mid-Ohio Conference in 1980 and 81 and was the Mid-Ohio Conference MVP in 1981 as well. He was inducted into the Malone University Hall of Fame in 1994. <clears throat> and like I say, he's been a wonderful friend of the show for years, and I'm excited he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Russ, how are you, my friend? Gosh, Chris, uh, thank you very much for that uh, introduction. I don't think I've ever been uh, – I sure hope my wife is listening to all that stuff. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> great to be with you tonight. <laughs> so, Russ, i tell you what, um, so much has been going on with you as I've been uh, keeping up with you over social media. First of all, congratulations are in order. Your daughter, Kayla, is a heck of a player. I'm jealous as heck of her golf swing. I saw your post uh, about her qualifying for the USAM. Talk about that. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's been a great experience. You know, she plays uh, over at the University of Tennessee. She was a freshman this past year and uh, had a great year, had a couple of real good finishes and uh, being away at school and, and playing at the highest levels in the SEC and the Division I uh, college community. Uh, played, played some really good golf and uh, learned really, uh, how to golf her ball probably quite a bit better on her own uh, and, and got in, in, in some ways away from her coach, which is me, uh, to, to go out and learn how to play the game. And it was really good for her. Uh, and now she's home and we're back working a little bit and uh, working on, on cleaning up uh, a few things here and there. And she came out and had a really good day uh, last Monday in uh, in Delray Beach and uh, won uh, on the third hole of a playoff for the last spot to uh, go to a USGA event. And that's always a big deal. And she's really excited. In fact, just played Westchester, was up visiting her brother, who's the golf professional at the uh, Apawamas Club right next door to Westchester. And uh, she's looking at going up to, to Westchester the first week in August. And uh, I think uh, there's going to be a fairly decent caddy on the bag there for her. Hopefully, uh, all will go well, and, and Dad will be able to pull her through again. And she was named, talking about uh, her season at uh, at Tennessee, she was named the SEC Women's Freshman Golfer of the Week. For her performance at the Gator Invitational, where she finished tied for six in just her second collegiate tournament, that's another tremendous accomplishment. Yeah, you know there were uh, it, it, it was really good for her. She uh, being being a Florida girl, uh, Florida was one of the schools that, that had shown some interest uh, in her, and uh, you know it, it, it's just a big puzzle uh, trying to trying to be in the right place at the right time to be picked by the by the by. Like the opportunity or the school that, that, that fits what you want as far as a, a player and, and academics and everything. And Florida was, was near the top of her list. And uh, for uh, various reasons, it just didn't work out. And there's nothing personal uh, in that. But uh, it felt really good for Kayla to be able to go back to Gainesville 
and uh, be able to put in a really good uh, performance there and, and, and elevate the, the University of Tennessee women's golf program and team. And it just felt really good for her to get off to a good start. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, her second event, she finished tied sixth, I think, up there in Gainesville and played really solid. She plays a Donald Ross golf course, two of them, as a matter of fact, in Knoxville as their home course, Holston Hills, which many of your listeners will recognize as a, a top 100 golf course, a Donald Ross masterpiece. And then uh, Cherokee Country Club, another Donald Ross uh, facility, a uh, great facility there in Knoxville that treats the girls and the guys very, very well. Uh, University of Tennessee Vol teams, uh, both men and women. And uh, she likes the Donald Ross layout. It, it, it's challenging. Uh, yet very fair. Uh, you have to know how to play the, the Donald Ross golf course. And I think that led her uh, with her experience to be able to play well at Gainesville. She's played there many times and, and just knows how to get around a Donald Ross golf course and how to beat it. And Russ, you, you talk about caddying for her, and that has to be one of the hardest caddying jobs as a parent. Right? I mean, how do you deal with the stress of wanting her to play well just because you're her dad? Right? So you already got that built in. You're rooting for her. You're stressed watching your child play, and you want them to play as well as they can. How do you deal with that and not put on extra pressure for her, plus you know, keeping your nerves calm and her nerves calm? I, th- I think it was quite a bit more difficult uh, in years gone by when she was younger and maybe not playing as much uh, or playing as well, and, and certainly you know, it, it, at times even leaning on me too much. Uh, it, and again, I mentioned it earlier, her being away at school, and having to go out and, and really do it on her own. Uh, I caddied for her both at the U.S. Open qualifying in Atlanta at Druid Hills this year, and then again, as I mentioned, in Delray Beach at the USAM qualifying. And it, it was a, a remarkable change uh, in, 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 her, in just who she was and the strength that she showed and the control that she had of her own emotions and her own shots. And, and it was quite a different dynamic. Uh, it, it was almost going back to the Bernhard Langer days where – I, I really was there as a, a you know, a watchful eye, and, and I had my own thoughts and my own ideas, and, and basically I kept those to myself until I was asked what, what I thought, where in the past uh, with Kayla, you know, I would step up and, and immediately try to lay out the way I thought the golf course or the hole was designed to be played and how I thought it should be played, and, and uh, this was much better having her uh, and, you know, and obviously we did the necessary prep work beforehand and we talked through a lot of holes and strategies and things like that. But uh, it, was, it was great to see her and, and have her have that confidence and that strength to be able to pull the club and pull the trigger on her own with full confidence that she was doing the right thing. Whether, whether it was right or wrong, we'll find out momentarily. But at the moment that she pulled the trigger, she was in, in, in full control that that was the right shot to do. And Russ, I saw that the two of you and your wife went out and played at Seminole about a month ago. Boy, that had to be a lot of fun. What was that like? Well, it really was. You know, I'm, uh, I help out. In fact, I'm on the road right now with them. Uh, my, my good friend, Hall of Famer, Dennis Walters. Uh, we have a, a very close relationship and, uh, I help him, uh, quite a bit, uh, in Jupiter where he lives and he's very good friends with, uh, longtime now retired golf professional Bob Ford, uh, over at Seminole. And, uh, they, we did an outing. Uh, their second to last day that, uh, they were, uh, open and closing for the summer. And, uh, they had a, uh, they had a great charity there. They had two of them, actually the Kiwanis Club as well as, uh, uh, saving the turtles with the loggerhead marina. And, uh, the, the, the tournament organizers were so delightful. Kayla was there and, uh, working, working very hard. She hit some balls and they tried to 
work her into the tournament, and it opened up in the afternoon that uh, they, they had an opportunity to play, and new golf professional Matt Cahill being the wonderful fellow PGA professional he was, uh, T to the Holden clan, and uh, off we went and uh, really, really had the, the day of a, a, a dad's lifetime, uh, forget the PGA professional thing, but uh, just dad being with uh, with mom and with daughter and enjoying that great facility and, and, and just the ocean and everything. And believe it or not, all you listeners, uh, if you can eat your heart out, uh, we had Seminole all to ourselves. Uh, that's, that's a pretty big thrill to go out, go out and have Seminole for a little while. Uh, wow. Front nine, we were basically all by ourselves and had, you know, and now that they've removed all the trees and everything, you can virtually see every hole on the golf course. Uh, from up on top of the hill, and and it was just, it was magnificent. What what a great day! And speaking of great days, they just keep coming for you because I also saw the video of you flying with the Blue Angels back in April. How did that come about? Well, I uh, I was uh, uh, long associated with the uh, with the foundation and uh, helped uh, with with our with our mission to help our our wounded. Um, we have the, the Blue Angels Foundation is a, a great organization made up of former pilots. Uh, my dad was a pilot, and uh, through through a, through a, a series of, of events, I, I ended up uh, uh, meeting some some team members uh, when they were down uh, our way uh, back in the early 2000s, and uh, developed some friendships through there. And uh, it, it, it was really unique. It was something that I'd I, I'd always hoped for, and it's something that I wanted. Um, it's incredibly difficult, and and the more uh, work that we were doing uh, with our wounded, um, especially with Caddy for a Cure on the PJ Tour, uh, they some people noticed it and uh, gave us a call and uh, asked me if I would like to go in the back seat. And uh, of course, uh, I, 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 I it was a dream come true. It was uh, uh, really one of the greatest hours of my life, and and there's nothing that that will ever recreate that. Uh, but, uh, to be able to have that, that privilege to be able to sit in the back seat of an F-18 Super Hornet and be able to go up and fly, uh, for an hour with one of the greatest pilots in the world, um, is beyond, beyond all words. Uh, I don't think there's enough time on this show <laughs> to let me talk about it. And my wife limits me to about three minutes, uh, per occasion. Uh, and I get to try to get it in there as best as I can. It was, it was fun. It, it was great fun. I, I, I will tell you this. I'll close on that with this, that I went from the most scared I've ever been in my life to about six and a half seconds later after we did the vertical takeoff, uh, to probably having the most fun I've ever had doing anything, uh, on planet earth. Uh, it, it was really a, a kick in the pants and I enjoyed it. Uh, I didn't pass out. I didn't throw up. And I enjoyed every single second of it. Yeah, so I got to expound just a little bit for another. Ask your wife if she'll indulge me for one more minute on this topic. Because <laughs> as I saw the video, obviously the pilot pulled back pretty hard on the stick. And you see do that vertical takeoff. And you had some pretty tight turns where it showed you were experiencing 7G. What does 7G feel like? Yeah, actually, it's a, the, the max on the Super Hornet seven and a half, and we got it all the way up to seven and a half. Um, I, I had some I had some good health, as I mentioned. Um, I've got I've got a real good friend in in Dallas who is a, uh, a former Blue Angel, and uh, I work with his daughter actually, who's a who's a young golfer, and uh, we're, we're we're pretty good friends. And and when I got the call, I called him and, and gave him the great news, and I said, okay, so what do I do? I had about nine weeks. Uh, prior to my uh, to my date of, of flight, 
And he gave me a lot of great tips. You know, he said, uh, you know, in nine weeks, the best you can do is just work on work on your legs, uh, work on your glutes, and, and work on your core, work on your abs. So I, I went to town, and I was religious about it, and I never, I never stopped. I, I, I was doing two a days and uh, working really hard. And then there's about an hour uh, training uh, that goes into uh, uh, prior to your flight. So I sat in the flight in the ready room. Uh, with, with with my pilot Julius Bratton Whiskers uh, and his crew chief Nate Lyons and uh, Nate was just over the top rock star. He uh, he, he told me uh, you know exactly how it was going to happen and, and when it was going to happen and I had plenty of time to be able to uh, you know I was I was going to be made aware of how many G's we were going to be pulling and then um, I, again there's a cadence that goes along with it so the pilot. We'll tell you that uh, you know we're going to go we're going to go here in just a second. Start pulling your legs, start squeezing your glutes, and if it's going to be a pretty heavy duty one, he's going to tell you that we're going to get after it and that you're going to uh, pull quite a few G's, and you're going to need to use the hick maneuver, which is saying the word hick and, and for, forcing the blood up into your head. And uh, he'll give you a good ready hit it, and once he says hit it, uh, you're off to the races. And, uh, you know, you need to you need to be ready to go for about nine or 10 seconds and, and sometimes even more. But it's, it's extremely challenging and it's nothing like anything that I've ever felt before. There's there's nothing there's no way to describe what it's like when, you know, the, the, things start pushing down on you seven times your body weight. Uh, and, and, and it's just an incredible feeling. And uh, it was even more incredible that I made it. Uh, I thought for sure that uh, being tall as I am and, and uh, you know, at, at my age and, and not not in, the, you know, I, I, I try to stay in shape, but I'm, I'm not a physical specimen by any stretch of the imagination uh, that I was able to make it and, 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 and do it. But I think a lot of that hard work for those nine weeks leading into it allowed me to be able to pull the G's. Now, much different uh, doing in a number seven backseat as opposed to the demo. Uh, of the Blue Angels themselves, uh, those guys are doing positive and negative, and, and you know they're 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 getting after it for the whole 45 minute show that they perform for our for our our, our great country uh, as they just performed this past weekend in Kansas City with the Thunderbirds. Those guys, uh, they're 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 really they're really something else to be able to get in there and, and, and get after it for 45 minutes. Uh, I, I had plenty of time to get ready for my G's, and and I'm not sure I would want to do the demo. Russ, I want to switch gears and get back to talking a little bit about golf and really want to you know, pick your brain about the Ryder Cup. You were the caddy captain for the European team back in 2004 when you were on the bag for Bernard Longer. Uh, those 2004 Ryder Cup uh, events were played at Oakland Hills up in Michigan. I'm, I'm curious, how far in advance as a caddy and then as a player when, when Bernard was with you, how far in advance are you preparing for a Ryder Cup? Is that something you're doing? The year before, six months before, a couple of weeks before, how long prior to the event are you going there to map out a strategy and get prepared? Well, I mean, from the day that Bernhard was announced that he was going to be the captain, uh, he started he started that moment. Uh, for me, for me individually as a caddy captain, I, I, I was just kind of along for the ride until maybe maybe months before, as we started to go into Detroit and and started to. You know, look around in that spring, uh, just on, on on the golf course and places to stay, and and what the format was going to be, and the whole hotels, and 
and a lot of the logistics uh, that, that, that go into a Ryder Cup, uh, much, much more behind the scenes. And that was kind of my job was was basically to take care of all the caddies as well as all the players and, and specifically be there as Bernhard's assistant, uh, driving the golf cart for him uh, around, uh, you know, from hole to hole and, and, and being on the, on the earpiece or whatever. But uh, opportunity, we were we were near the lead in the Masters in 2004 earlier that year, and and we we actually came to, to number ten. And I thought, you know, this I I actually thank Bernhard going off the tenth hole. I just thank him for having me there. Uh, you know, it's Sunday, and that was the year Phil Mickelson won, uh, as we all know. But uh, we had a chance. We were right there, and I I, I I tapped him on the shoulder, and I said, you know, I I don't know that I'll ever have another experience like this in in the world of golf, and and I just wanted to thank you for having me here. And uh, I, I was wrong. I, I <laughs> the Ryder Cup. Uh, blew that experience away e- even being you know sunday at augusta you know with a chance to win uh is, is virtually every golfer's dream but uh being at the Ryder cup uh the, the experience the crowd the energy the electricity uh just just totally blew that away it, it is just an, a mind-numbing experience to be inside the ropes and be you know in, in the team room and all the other things that go along with being on the Ryder cup team and russ I, i'm really surprised that the PGA of America chose Whistling Straits as the venue this year. It's a link-style course, which you would think would seem to give the European team an advantage versus the U.S. having a real home course advantage there. Does that location surprise you at all? I worked for Bernhardt at the at Whistling Straits. Uh, I think for the P, I think it was the PGA. Uh, it, it, it's it's a great place. It, it, they can put a lot of people out there. It, it, it's somewhat dangerous. I remember the first uh, time that we were there. Uh, there there were several dozen people had had broken legs or ankles and things like that wow. because of the. There had been there had been some a little bit of wet weather and and those those mounds and those hills were really slick and people are you know, jockeying for position to try to get in a good vantage point. And uh, I, I know that people were falling left and right. I, I know I fell once uh, try, trying to walk through there, but but it is a, a massive place. It's very, very big. And they'll be able to fit a lot of people in there for a Ryder Cup. Um, you know, I, I don't know what the plans are, you know, with the PGA of America, with, with the with COVID restrictions and all the other things that are going on. But, uh, I, you know, the, these things are done you know, many, many years in advance, obviously well before we even knew what COVID even was. So, uh, you know, from that, from that perspective, I, I think it will be a, a, a cool place. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know that there is a, a, a European advantage to a, a link style golf course like that. Um, it, it is, it is on the water, uh, which, which can make it a link style golf course, but, uh, there, there's a lot of holes that play very, uh, Parkland style. Uh, at, at Whistling Straits, um, so I, I don't really know who has the advantage. Um, it, it, fr- from my perspective, being on a Ryder Cup team, you know the the European team, um, you know just the way that the Europeans run the European Tour, the way things are so different in Europe, and and the fact that they only have to play every other year, I, I think that they look forward to the Ryder Cup um, possibly as a team, not necessarily individually, but as a team. Uh, I, I would definitely tend to give them the advantage because they do come together so well as a team and, and, and for whatever reason have always, not always, but to, for, for many years now and decades have, have really risen to the, to the call uh, of, of challenging for the Ryder Cup. And it made it very, very difficult, even though in many times the U.S. on paper would have a much better team. 
So long-winded answer to your question. I'm, I'm not sure that whistling straights provides an advantage to either team. Russ, with there being so much interest in the Ryder Cup and fan fervor and everyone getting all excited and it's every other year and we're playing it here and we're playing it there and everybody has so much anticipation every other year for the event. We have the Solheim Cup over on the LPGA Tour. What we don't have is a similar format on the Champions Tour. Right? It's, a, it's an opportunity to have the legends there get an opportunity to kind of relive some of the Ryder Cup matches, right? And relive some of that excitement, build that for that tour. Do you think not having a format like that on the Champions Tour is a missed opportunity? I think it's a great point. I've, to be frank with you, I've never really thought about it. But uh, now that you bring it up, I, I, I think it is a very good point. I think the Champions Tour, PJ Tour Champions is in a, in a very good position right now with a lot of bright young players, young, uh, obviously 50 years old, uh, some, some bright stars coming onto the Champions Tour. And then, you know, guys like Bernhard still going, going strong as can be that, uh, I think it would be very compelling, especially for the, the demographic and the age group that, that tends to lean towards watching the Champions Tour. It's a different uh, form of golf, but uh, I think we would all get a real kick out of seeing, you know, Fred Couples and, uh, you know, battling it out with, with, with Monty or, or somebody like uh, Bernhard or Monty and Lothabelle and all the great names that are out there. I, I think it's a brilliant idea and bring, resurrect some of that, uh, some of that old Ryder Cup war by the shore, maybe back from the early nineties, nineties, right. the, the country club showdown there with Justin Leonard and some of the other uh, great stars that we had on those teams. I think that's a brilliant idea. Why don't we go ahead and do that? <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. Um, Russ, up to date, up, uh, update us on the great things that you're doing over at Caddy for a Cure. Uh, it's such a wonderful uh, organization that you've got started. It's benefited so many of our uh, military veterans and our and our heroes. Talk about what's going on there. Well, you know, we've been we've been uh, shut down, obviously, to COVID restrictions, and uh, we're very excited. I talked to the tour a couple of weeks ago, and uh, looks like things are 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 have some light at the end of the tunnel and we're looking forward to getting back out on tour and, and, uh, getting, getting some of our veterans back on the bag for, uh, you know, the time of experience of their life. But, uh, we recently had our Liberty mutual invitational tournament. We're our 14th year, uh, having our annual golf tournament. And, you know, we really went about it this year with a, a little different, uh, perspective that, uh, we wanted to give hope and encouragement to a lot of our longstanding supporters and as well as bring in a bunch of wounded veterans uh, that have been in our program before, and uh, it, it ended up being just just fabulous. We followed all the COVID restrictions and, and to a T, and we, we did a safe distancing as much as we possibly could. Um, it was a great event, and uh, was highlighted by by one of our our wounded uh, asked for the hand in marriage of his longtime girlfriend, and we were able to uh, help him coordinate all that. And uh, it was a, a breathtaking moment. Uh, we had our, our, our already mentioned good friend Dennis Walters uh, was there and gave a show that night and uh, gave a little give a little Q and A with with me. We we asked some incredibly compelling questions and gave everybody a lot of hope. You know, if your if your dream doesn't come true, he always says, you know, get a new dream. Uh, but uh, having having that young sergeant from Michigan. Uh, be able to come down to Florida. I uh, brought his girlfriend in, and uh, they they are they are the consummate perfect couple. Uh, they're absolutely perfect for each other. I, I I've seen a lot of a lot of people get engaged and, and go on and get married, and, and this these two here are just two peas in a pod. And 
we were so delighted. Um, he was one of our first wounded service members. I think it was uh, almost 14 years ago. And we've stayed in his life as we try to do. You know, our, our, we like to think of our Caddy for a Cure program as much more than just a caddy experience. That's just the beginning. Um, we, we like to stay in, involved in their lives and be there for them and continue to do other things for them. We've, we've done, we've done so many things. Once they're in the caddy program, once they've been in our family, our caddy for a cure family, it just continues on and on and on in various ways. And, and it was so cool to have this young man come back and, and he's had troubles. Uh, you know, as so many of our wounded face so many different issues, uh, emotionally, psychologically, uh, with, 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 with all kinds of things. He, you know, suffering with drug addiction and alcohol, uh, uh problems. Um, and, and, and he had it, he had it tough and he felt that, that, uh, there was nobody there for him and, uh, got involved in golf, got involved in our program, got involved with, uh, uh, a great veteran program up in Michigan playing some other sports, softball and some other things. And, and we've seen a complete metamorphosis in, in this young man's life. I mean, we've seen him go from the pits of, of, of everything that we see on TV and, and, and media and whatnot as the people that are really struggling to, to a, a guy that's really on top of his game and, and really performing well. And to, it took a long time, but to see him there get down on one knee right in front of us, we knew it was, I knew it was going to happen. Nobody else knew it was going to happen. I knew we had it all planned out. And he brought her up there in, in front of our patrons. And, and when he went down on one knee, I'll, I'll tell you what, that, that might have been one of the most coolest, fulfilling moments in Caddy for a Cure's 21 history, 21 year history. It, it was just fabulous. That sounds like a great story. Congratulations to the two of them. And what a wonderful thing to be a part of. Russ, you guys do so many great things for our military veterans. For someone that's listening in tonight, um, that as a wounded uh, veteran, as a part of their family, uh, their circle of friends, that sort of thing. How can they get in touch with Caddy for a Cure and learn all of the things that you guys are doing and get involved? Well, thanks, Chris. We we have a, a nice website, caddyforacure.com. We spell it with a Y, C-A-D-D-Y-F-O-R-A-C-U-R-E, caddyforacure.com. You can go there, and uh, there's not a lot happening right now, but you can certainly go there and read about our, our past and our history and a lot of testimonies and a lot of the, a lot of the other charities that we support and, and help, uh, you know, financially through our efforts. But, uh, uh, you know, if you see something on there, uh, you know, please feel free to reach out to us. But, but Chris, I want to highlight, you know, we, t- we take the asset that we have, which is, which is golf and specifically the caddy experience that, 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 you know, through fate or whatever you want to call it, uh, you mentioned my relationship with Bernhard, you know, 30 years ago that have led to that. And we like to think that we're taking whatever we have and, and we're using that to the best that we can to help the people that we want to help the most. And I would encourage all the listeners to do the same, that, that you have assets and, and to use those assets, whatever those might be, as silly as it might seem, well, you're caddying for somebody. And, and we like to think that we've used that to the best of our ability to be able to, to serve our country and help all these men and women that have raised their right hand and, and, and served so valiantly and so brilliantly. And if you, you know, if you're a listener out there and you have something, whatever it might be, I encourage you to give. You'll, you'll never regret it. You, you really won't. Uh, it is something good to do. 
Well, Russ, I can't thank you enough for being generous with your time tonight and coming back and being part of the show and continuing to do the great things that you do for our veterans. And uh, my congratulations to you and your daughter and uh, the great things that she's accomplishing there at the University of Tennessee. We wish her continued success, and I hope uh, we get the privilege of having you back on the show again real soon. I'll be on any time you want, Chris. You do a great job. You're one of the best in the business, and and I love being with you. Go Vols, and uh, thanks for all your support of everything you do as well. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. Russ, take care, my friend. Stay safe. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Yes, thanks. See you, Russ. That's a great Russ Holden. Again, Caddy for a Cure, C-A-D-D-Y-F-O-R-A-C-U-R-E is the website. Um, the stories that you'll read on there are uh, are heartwarming. The things that they've been able to do, not only giving uh, our wounded heroes an opportunity to, to caddy for some of the greatest players on the PGA Tour now and the legends of the game as well, but then some of the gifting that they do. You heard Russ tell a story there. Uh, they've gifted a home to a military veteran and his family, uh, you know, not just like, you know, hey, here are the keys. Now you've got this, this, uh, house payment paid off. Here's a house, right? That, uh, that, that, uh, um, that they were able to have and, and, and take possession of and, and live in. And so many wonderful stories, so many great things that Russ and, and, uh, the folks there at Caddy for a Cure are doing. I, I encourage you to check it out and get involved. And if you know it, a military veteran that could uh, use some help, please reach out to Russ. They're great people doing great things. All right, folks, it is time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the T. My sincere thanks go out again to Mark Wiebe, Andy Lano, John Wonder, and Russ Holden for joining me tonight. Please check out our website, nextonthetea.net, to keep up to date with what our guest schedule looks like. And scheduled to join me next time are our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry, author of the book, The Nine Virtues of Golf, Jay Ravel, will be making his next on the tee debut, as will the creator of the Imagine Golf app, Malcolm Scoville. He will also be joining me next week. And then we'll round out the show with a return visit from the guy who probably knows more about the technical aspects of the golf swing than anybody on the planet, and that's PGA professional Bob Grissett. Looking forward to having Bob back as part of the show. So it's going to be a great one. I hope you'll come back and be a part of it with us. Folks, you can stream this show as a podcast on so many of the great podcasting apps out there, particularly podcast.co, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audioboom, Player.fm. If you have a favorite podcasting site, we're probably on it. Just click the search button and then type in next on the T. You'll probably find us on there as well. And if you enjoy the show, please do me a favor and go online to podcastmagazine.com and vote for us in their Hot 50 list. When you're on their site, you'll see Hot 50 there right at the top of the home screen. Just click on that and you'll get a drop-down list and you'll be able to see where you can vote in the Hot 50 list. Click on that, type in the name of the show and my name, Chris Mascaro, as the host. I'd really appreciate your support. And I can't thank you all enough for getting us inside the top 25 in their July edition. We're at number 16, so we keep getting a little bit better every single month. I appreciate your vote. You can vote once a day. So if you don't mind, please vote us into the top 10. That's where we're looking to get to next. Folks, thank you again for choosing to listen to the show tonight. I really appreciate the fact that you continue to make Next on the Tee a part of your golfing content. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.